Two seconds. Winnell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way. Oh! And Wyatt! Gives it to Jenkins for the championship. And heard about him, and now we know about him. A star on the NCAA tournament stage. Stephen Curry leads What's up, everybody? You're listening to Blue Buds Hoops, a brand new college basketball podcast. I am the show's host, Will, and today on this episode, I'm joined with my cousin, Jack. Yeah, what's up? <laughs> you introduced me. You didn't introduce Tyler. Sorry about that. And we have a special guest, Tyler. He's not here. He's not here, <laughs> but he's with us in spirit. He um, will be here. Our other host, Chris, Coach Chris Brown, my dad, he's also not with us right now he is with us in spirit as always but I mean, he's, he's also, alive but he's also never <laughs> <laughs> he's alive he's good he's just out cutting grass couldn't okay. be here no arrowheads this week um he actually hasn't found any at all this year so you know okay so i mowed my lawn today i play this game where if i haven't talked about it before on this podcast the one time that i was on it i don't know if i've talked about it on all pacers pod either which you can find on all Indie Sports Network of Podcasts, this channel. Go give that a listen. Um, Plugging my own podcast here. But I play this game when I mow the lawn where um, the people who lived in this house before us were, you know, constantly getting the cops called on them, police called on them. It just was a bad situation. I'm pretty sure it was foreclosed. Someone bought it, flipped it, we bought it. So the people who lived here would go out back. They would recycle metal. This story is getting kind of long. I'm sorry, but... They recycle metal, so what they would do is they'd find mattresses on the side of the road, burn the mattresses out back, collect all the metal, put it in their truck, I'm assuming, and then go um, bring it to a metal recycling plant. I only know this from my neighbors telling me. Anyway, I play a game similar to arrowhead hunting. I hunt for mattress springs. I found two today, and then I found a third. It was wedged. My, my lawnmower started rattling. It was wedged. Uh, it twisted around the blade and then got caught on the side of the lawnmower. I had to flip it over. I mean, it's already a pretty bad lawnmower as it is. I was pouring some gas out on accident doing it. But, man, I'd, like, dig this mattress spring out. So, very similar to what your dad does. I, I just have to say that is the most interesting story I've heard today. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds like you're better at that than my dad is at finding arrowheads because he's, he's not found any this year to my knowledge. So, yeah. he's got to pick it up. If he's not going to be here for the intro, he has to at least bring us back something good you know, a relic of some sort, some ancient Native American, I don't know. No, something, thing. not just an ancient just Native something. American. Um, just something. Well, okay, here's the key, Chris, if you're listening, Coach Chris. Um, just you have to go out and not look for it. They'll find you. I don't know if mattress springs are the same as arrowheads, but that's that's how I find mattress springs. It's like that one, what's that movie, Field of Dreams, if you build it, yeah. they will come. If you mow the lawn, you'll run over a few mattress springs. If you mow the lawn, the mattress springs will come. If you go out in a field and you're not looking for arrowheads, the arrowheads will come. Yeah, literally, I've I find two at least two mattress springs every time I mow the lawn, and we've lived here for at least a year and a half at this point. It's insane that there are still mattress springs out there. It makes me really mad every time I find one. But well, there you have it, folks. You thought this was a college basketball podcast. It oh. is. It is. But we just wanted to share that story. Hey. You're not going to hear that kind of stuff, that kind of content anywhere else, if I'm being honest. So 
that's why you're here. We all know. But no, the real reason you're here. The real reason we're here is for this interview that we have today. And boy, let me tell you, we have a great interview this time. So we've had a we've had a couple great interviews already, some former players, but now we have a current player, Miles Tate, who plays for Butler University. And I don't want to waste any more time, so let's just jump right into it. All right, everybody, thanks again for joining. Uh, today we have another special guest. We have Miles Tate. Miles, great to have you here. How you doing? I'm doing good. Appreciate you having me. No problem, no problem. Um, it's 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 gonna be real fun talking to you. It's gonna be uh, good to just hear your point of view on the game today, and you know, talk about your journey uh, through high school and where you're at now, and just kind of get into that. But before we do that, one thing we're doing on every podcast is we're getting everybody's opinion on this. I I, I guarantee you have an opinion. I'm anxious to hear. So I'm asking every guest, who do you think is the greatest player of all time? Now. There's a there's a catch to it. I'm I'm only given two options, LeBron or Michael Jordan. So if you have another option, that's okay. You know, feel free to list somebody else, but in your opinion, MJ or LeBron, who you got? I I really hate this question because like it's different opinions and it's different eras because some people say if you put LeBron where when Jordan played, he wouldn't be as effective. But I disagree. And some people say if you put Jordan in this era, he wouldn't be effective. And I disagree as well. So, but with saying that, I think Jordan is the best, is the greatest ever, just because like the the legendary like stigma he had about himself and like what he left with the game, like just besides basketball. Like if Michael Jordan walked in a room, everybody just loses their breath. Like the whole room is like they ain't no Jordans in the room. So like the impact he had on the game was like no other. So I feel like he's a GOAT. And like when people is the greatest, they kind of like try to come, like Kobe try to compare himself to Jordan. Like, so, I mean, he, he has to be the greatest. Hey man, that's fair. That's valid. And I just want you to know, we have not had, at least on this show, a LeBron answer yet. So that's 4-0 and for Michael Jordan. I think that's what the count is now. Yeah, and I don't think it's going to change. I mean... <laughs> We, uh, I was telling Will before this podcast, I said, uh, if we hear uh, Michael Jordan one more time, I think we need to change this question. So we, we may have to, man. <laughs> I'm with you, though. I'm, I'm Michael Jordan. I think, Will, you are too. I don't know what you are, Tom. I'm, I'm Michael Jordan too. I, I agree. So. It's a tough question, like you said, Miles. It's a, it's a tough question, and I, I get that. I just, it's always interesting to see what people think, you know, and mm-hmm. get their opinion on it. So thank you for sharing. I appreciate that. Well, you talked about, um, Kobe modeled his game after Michael Jordan. We see that, you know, time after time, all these players are modeling their games after these players, taking moves from guys. I mean, obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. But from an early age, I'm sure you had some inspirations. Name some of those guys. My favorite player, like, of all time growing up was Kobe. So, like, I think, like, my mental, like, I try as my as best as I can to, like, have my mental as Kobe. Like, nobody really can emulate that but I try to have my mental like Kobe but like as far as like being a small guard like myself like I used to watch Allen Iverson was one of my favorites like of all time I used to love him and uh I I used to like Derrick Rose too so like people like those like really inspired me to be like who I am today I was gonna guess Derrick Rose before you said it you said the small guards so yeah explosive small guards that seems to be uh what your game has been too in the past I saw you went to Dorman High School. In, um, wh- where is that in South Carolina? 
it's in Roebuck, South Carolina. Okay, okay. I saw a video today of you playing against Cole Anthony. Um, I think he was Oak Hill. Is that right? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so that just kind of got me thinking. Who? I, he's probably one of many great players you played against. But who? Who do you think so far? High school, college, AAU, everywhere. Who do you think is the greatest player or the best player you've played against so far in your in your basketball career? Uh, I played Zion in in high school. Played Zion. That was a very like tough matchup like for the whole team because so, like he's so dominant. Yeah, and. Uh, it's a it's a player named Josiah James. He goes to Tennessee right now. He was a, a, a shooting guard at Tennessee. He gave us a business in high school. So I say those two, Josiah James and Zion Williamson. Those are the two toughest players. I had a feeling that you would have played Zion just being from that general area. Um, we were talking about that before. I was like, I wonder if he's ever played Zion because here in Indiana, I, I went to a school for what, just on a side note, and we we played down at Wofford College in the summer, and we played we played Zion one year, but he was in like an eighth or ninth grade, I think, real young. This was years ago, um, and we actually did play Dorman too one time, but it, it was probably before you were in high school. But I'm sure you would have probably given us some given us some buckets if we played you then. So <laughs> just a small world though. So I thought that was cool. Definitely. Was it the Wofford camp? Yeah, the Wofford camp. Yeah. 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 Good account. You played in eighth grade on varsity, right? Yeah, I was. I played eighth grade varsity. Yep, yep. So when did you graduate high school? I mean, is there any overlap there, Will? So I graduated in 2015. I don't know if you would have been playing at that point. Maybe I don't know. I played. I, I played 2015. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't know, man. Maybe uh, high school year in 2015. <laughs> <laughs> you may. You may remember Willie probably dropped 60, 70. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably the other way around for sure. <laughs> oh yeah, what what did I say? I mean, I mean, he probably got sixty seventy put on. <laughs> yeah. So let's actually talk about your high school career a little bit because we saw that you won four state championships, and yeah, we just I just want to talk about that a little bit. Like, what made your team so great that you could repeat year after year, winning a state championship in uh in South Carolina, which is no slouch for basketball either. There's a ton of great talent that comes out of that state. Yeah, so uh, really I have to give the credit to, like, my coach, Coach Ryan. Uh, like, he he's a great man. Like, and he, like, always made us focus on doing the little things at a high level. So with everybody on our team focusing on the little things and, like, coming to work every day, trying to get a job done, like, we approached it like a job. Like, And that's, like, kind of rare for high school kids to do. So – like building us up, like training us, like we're supposed to be trained, like 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 we have a goal, and like it's a job. So like, I mean, the results just came just from the work. You know, that's awesome that um, you had a high school coach that was able to prepare you for the college setting that you're going to jump into. Because I feel like you know, as good of a player as you are, it's the little things, right, that are such a big deal in college. That you know, you you don't just learn. Um, by just showing up and playing, you know, it's got to be ingrained, but you know, you gotta work at it. So, um, you know, it's cool that you had a high school coach that gave you that kind of push to prepare you for, you know, big East playing as the starting in the big East as a freshman. Yeah, definitely. It definitely helped to have a coach like that. Uh, let's talk about that actually too, uh, the big East. Cause you're at Butler, you ended up at Butler your freshman season, which was last year. 
Um, I saw you got recruited by Pittsburgh, South Carolina as well. I think you got offers to both those schools. And you were a top 100 recruit. I think the only top 100 recruit on Butler's roster since Kamar Baldwin, maybe? Probably. That's probably right. Which is wild. Um, and, yeah, I mean, what what helped you make that decision to go to Butler? What was your thought process? Well, uh, my thought process in the recruiting, like, recruiting is kind of tricky sometimes because you can get offers and interest, but everybody else around you getting offers and interest too. So you never know if they really want you or they just reaching out because you got this offer. So I had to really seek, seek through and, like, find the real because – I feel like some schools will like talk to me and like offer me, but they really got somebody else in mind. And I was a bag up choice for some of them. Like, and that was just the honest truth. I had to be honest with myself. So when Butler came around, like they were genuine with me and they told me that I was a priority and like, like it just felt like family. Like it just felt comfortable for me. Like I didn't feel like nobody's bag up or nobody's like second choice or nothing like that. So I uh I chose Butler just strictly off the relationship and obviously I'm playing in the Big East, which is a great conference in, in college basketball. So they worked out. And I know I know there's been a lot of uh coaching changes now, but uh we still have uh David Ragland, uh who, you know, was, was on the former staff and um is still there. Did you did you have a lot of conversations with him, you know, during the recruiting process? Was he one of your main guys or was it more uh, Laval, or who who was the main guy? Uh, when I first my freshman year, when I first got here, um, he didn't recruit me. But Coach Coach Val Laval Jordan and Coach Omar Lowry and uh, Coach Meyer, all those guys recruited me to come initially. But uh, Coach Rags was on staff while I was here, so we definitely have a close relationship. And with the new staff coming in and him staying, we definitely had some conversations. And he's like one of the reasons I'm here still. And definitely my teammates were one of the main reasons why I'm still here. And like, I love those guys. So it's just working out. So what was it like going before, like going into your freshman year? What was it like coming from South Carolina, where you were from? And I, I just am not familiar with the area and stuff, um, just being from here in Indiana. But what was it like coming from there and then coming to Indy? Um, just kind of seeing that transition. Yeah, it's, it's way different. It's way different, especially, like, the weather is a big thing. Like, the winter was very cold, like, in, in Indy. And, but I was expecting that, though, because I came on a couple of visits here. But, uh, yeah, it was it was kind of different. But the main thing that really stuck with me from South Carolina to Indy is the love for the game. Like, in Indiana, like, everybody loved basketball. Like, that's what people bleed, bleed hoops. And that's how, that's how I was at home. So, that really I really adapted to that easily. And uh, back at home, it's, it, it was like more of a football state, but it's it's a lot of like basketball, good basketball coming up now in South Carolina. Uh, it's going notice, taking notice around the country now. So with that being like a good thing in South Carolina, it just, it, it, it stuck with me. So people love basketball here as well. That's like the connection that you got, you know, the love for the game there, the love for the game here. Um, that's just cool to see. But so the transition there was, that was one thing. Like just just in general and whatnot. How was the transition as a player though coming from high school to college? What was that like for you? Yeah, it was it was pretty rough for me. Um I know like being like most people who are like pretty good on their high school team, they go to college and you playing with players who've done the same thing as you in high school. So you might have to adjust and especially if you're a freshman. So me being like one of the main guys on my high school team, then coming to be 
like basically the bag of point guard at Butler for a little bit. Like, so I'm playing behind Aaron Thompson. So I'm I'm trying to figure out how to be a college point guard, like trying to be like one of him like he is and see like what he's doing to try to figure it out. But also keep my same game to me and like keep the same principles that I that I play with, but add it to what like a actual college point guard is. So like that that transition was pretty tough. But as I got moving and kept working, it got pretty comfortable and I started playing pretty well. So what do you think about this? This this is a random question I just thought of. Because I, I played at a small NAIA school. And even at that level, I noticed what I'm about to ask you. Like, the difference, and this is something you can tell, like, all the high school players that want to play in college now. What, in your opinion, was there, like, a drastic difference in the level of intensity during, like, the college practices, the strength and conditioning sessions, everything, you know what I mean? It's so much harder, in my opinion. It's so much more intense, and there's so it's just there's levels to it, is what I'm trying to say. I don't think people understand that. And, I mean, I I don't understand probably, like, the level of intensity that you guys go at and, you know, people that are at bigger schools go through. But what was that like? How how intense are those practices at a Division One program, you think? In high school, I know, like, a lot of – like high school kids probably think they going hard. Like they probably think they going hard. They probably think they working and they probably are. I'm not taking it from them, but when you get to college, like doing it consistently and at a faster pace and more work, like it's way different. Like you, you gotta be in shape. You gotta know the plays, you gotta play hard and you gotta try to still like be you as a player. So that's, that's like a major difference in high school. Like, I know they 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 working hard, but it's a different intensity and a different level to where like college players are. For sure. I mean, you still love the game, and you said it. You still gotta be the, that same player, but it's your job to do it. Also, at that point, you know, I mean, it's something you really gotta commit to. But that's just cool to hear. You know, I, I know a lot of people don't think about that. Just a little side note. I wanted to ask ask you so. Well, let's talk about your freshman year a little bit more too. Um, so. You had to earn your spot, obviously. I mean, you were the highest recruited player on Butler that season. Um, and, I mean, I don't know how pedigree factored into all of this, if, like, you had that in the back of your mind at all. I would assume you wouldn't. But um, having to, like, earn your spot after winning four state championships in a row. But what's it like having to earn your spot again on Butler as a freshman? And um, what did it take for you to earn those valuable minutes, which you did eventually earn? Something about me, like, I love to compete, but it's something about competing that I just love to do. So I don't like when, when things, like, aren't, like, a challenge. And, like, I, I stepped into a spot where I wanted to be challenged. Like, I wanted to come into a spot where I had to earn everything. And coming to Butler was the perfect spot for me. Plus, having four other freshmen with me coming in and trying to earn a spot as well helped me because I'm looking at them like they trying to earn a spot too. So I can't slack, like. I can't slack, and I got people in front of me that I'm trying to beat out. So I couldn't slack in a single day. Like I'm, I'm trying to work hard to get in my spot. So with that mindset, and with my fellow teammates with me, like pushing me every day, trying to, trying to beat me every day. Like it, it helped me play better and do what I'm supposed to do to get on the court. What, what's your skill that like gives you, or that gave you those minutes? Is it your defensive intensity? What is it? Your IQ? What, what helped you get those minutes? Honestly, while I was in practice, like I I would never take a rep off. So I would go like I, I would say my intensity 
and like just my will to win, like and like never, never taking a playoff. That's what I say what got me on the court. And then on top of that, like I can make plays like with the ball, without the ball, like whatever my team need to do to win. Most of the time in practice, I would try to get that done. So my coach can see me like trying to win, trying not to just get the ball and go. Like I'm trying to do the stuff that people don't want to do so I can get on the court. And I mean, it worked for me. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Aaron Thompson earlier, and I know that, you know, coming in as a freshman, you there's a lot of seniors on Butler's team. You had a lot of older guys that, um, you know, you're playing with. Could you just talk about maybe some of the, uh, like just the impact that these older guys had on you, what you learned from them, especially Aaron Thompson being, a, you know, the all-time assist leader now at Butler. Like that's a huge, you know, gap to fill now that he's gone. So uh, just maybe talk about, you know, how, um, those older guys influenced you? Man, uh, they had a lot of influence on me, especially like as a younger player coming in. Like every every senior we had brought something different to the table, like on the court, personality-wise, workload-wise, like they were all different. So, and it was kind of good to watch and see like how would, I, how would I fit in in this program? Like how can I last in this program watching them? And it really helped because especially being behind Aaron Thompson, because when you think of the point guard position and you want to look at a textbook point guard, you can look at him. He he put everybody in a spot. He know what the other team wants to do. He know, and he's a hell of a defender at that. So he's already going to do what the coach wants. So he's already like with the ball, like, and he can create for others and himself. So, I mean, watching him every day operate the team, run the team, you know, it definitely helped me like, it just, it just helped me know what a college point guard should look like. So you had a fantastic freshman year, which we already mentioned. And then I know you had to deal with the injury at the end of that freshman year. So I mentioned before that I that I played at a small NAI school. I had to have surgery on my Achilles and recover from that. Um, and I think your, yours was your ACL, correct? Okay. So what what was it like going through that recovery process and like what kept you motivated to get back and kind of get you through that whole kind of ordeal with your injury and coming back cuz it's a hard thing to do, you know, it's not it's not easy to deal with that and come through it especially after you've had a great year. What was your mindset kind of um during that time? Man, uh for a time now I was like when I first got hurt like I didn't I didn't have basketball in my life, so I was like kind of in a dark place, like, and I didn't know what to do mentally and like everything was like going downhill. But uh, I mean, my family, like they kept me encouraged, my teammates, coaches, they kept me encouraged. Like you you still, you still love the game. So you got to push through and like, this is your moment. They're, like every everybody's story is different. So my, my, my whole motivation is I don't want my story to end like there. So if I can just get back to myself and even better, my story can continue for like, who knows how long I can just keep going with this. So like, that was how my whole motivation, just keep my story going. That's what I always tell myself, just keep my story going. Never give up, never give in. Just why not me? Why can't I come back from this and be better? So that was my whole motivation. And that happened in the Creighton loss. That was the last game of the season too. I mean, I, I know like making it the whole stretch of the season, you tied, I believe you had the most games played. Um, tied with someone else. Yes. Uh, okay. Other players. Yeah. I, yeah. But yeah. I mean, you played every game of the season. You get to that point. You go down against Creighton. Um, 
and the next season, I mean, with an injury like what you suffered with the knee injury, um, I mean, playing the next season is like kind of crazy to even think about. But you ended up playing nine season or nine games your sophomore season. Going forward, what do you think your role looks like on this team? You have a new coach. Um, what have those discussions looked like? I know you've been training hard so far. Yeah, uh, my whole priority right now is just get get better every day get better every day and click with my teammates and see what the coach wants and what kind of system we're going to be playing and try to mold myself into a guard that I know I can be and I know I will be. So that's what I'm focused on right now. And I think my role would be like a lead guard, like to be the leader of the team. Um, just be me, like be Miles Tate. That's what I've been like on lately. Don't don't try to be nothing that you aren't. Don't try to be someone else. Be myself, be Miles Tate. My dad always tell me to be myself and everything else can come in place. So that's what I've been, that's what I've been on lately. Well, another thing I wanted to talk about was um, your all's, your all's head coach now, Thad Mata. He has been somebody who has been around some, some fantastic guards, um, D'Angelo Russell, Mike Conley. So what's it like playing for him? Just kind of knowing he has been around some good guards and, you being a guard coming back and wanting to get better. What's it been like kind of your experience playing for, for him for however, however long, you know, you guys have been doing stuff together. Yeah. On the first day I met him, uh, I actually asked him how, how does he feel about smaller guards? And he told me he loved them because he know I'm going to be a dog. So, I mean, when he told me that, that was his music to my ears. I knew that like we were going to click just like that, just because he told me that. So, I mean, I know what he wants. He wants guards that can, Really, pretty much do everything and lead their team and just be this like be me. So he gonna let us play. He gonna let us be free. But we just have to do it in control and like do it with a winning mentality. So that's what we're trying to accomplish right now. Just develop a winning mentality and get better so we can just uh, all fit in. Especially as guards, like we have to be like the most solid on the team so we can help everybody else get to where they want to go. My next question, though, kind of going off of that, looking forward to next season. I don't, and I don't know if you know. If you don't know, we can just skip it. But is there like a game next year that you're looking forward to, off the top of your head? Uh, I know we're going to the Bahamas to play in a tournament. So uh, I feel like if we make some noise in that tournament, like we can put the whole, put everybody on notice and like, and just keep going from there. Like, and also we're going on a foreign trip this summer. Before I even say the Bahamas, we're going on a foreign trip this summer to play and like compete against some like pro teams. So I'm excited about that for sure. So, okay. Do you know where you're going this summer? I think we're going to Italy. So, yeah. You can cut the Bahama part out. So we can just <laughs> say, no, man, the the Bahamas, that's not a bad trip either. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> a 1v1 tournament. I just want you to, to like walk us through this. Just let's pretend Butler's hosting a 1v1 tournament, the entire team. I want to hear your opinion. Who's the one seed? Who's the two seed? Where are you in the tournament um, if it's just a 1v1? Whole roster. The whole roster? Okay. Um, I'm the first seed. <laughs> I'm the first seed, yeah. Uh, I'm going to say C. Moss is a two seed. Jaden Taylor three Chuck Harris four. I gotta throw a big in there because they gonna obviously have an advantage. Uh say Manny Bates. 
Jalen Thompson, six. Miles Wilmoth, seven. Ah. Pierce Thomas, eight. DJ Hughes, nine. Uh, and I don't want to keep going from there just to put everybody on the bus. Yeah, man, I only asked you for two. I love it. <laughs> that was impressive. I'm not going to lie. That was impressive. I think you put some thought into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to I had to get some people some credit. <laughs> what, like, going forward, I mean, you guys have some good building pieces, too. You got CMOS back. It looks like he um, – but, like, going forward, what are your kind of your expectations for this roster? You guys got a young roster still? Yeah, man. Honestly, like, I can, I can honestly say this is the most, like – gifted team that I've ever played on. And by gifted, I mean, like, nothing has to do with, like, height, weight, like, none of that. I mean, like, pure natural talent that this team has. That's just the most gifted team I've ever played on. And I can tell, like, that we we have, like, the confidence to do a lot of good things this year. And if we can all put it together and, and everybody keep a winning mentality and be unselfish, then I think the sky's the limit for this team. But yeah, this is the most gifted group of guys like I've ever like played with. Like young guys, old guys, like everybody's just skilled on this squad. So I feel like we can do a lot. Uh, I just I just want to make sure you know, uh, Miles, as a Butler student, um, and seeing you go down with that injury at the end of your freshman year, it was heartbreaking. Like honestly, just you could ask anybody. We were so excited um, for you know a healthy sophomore season from you. Um, because it's just clear to see how, you know, talented you are and how strong mentally you are. And, but, you know, you were talking about CMOS and these other younger players, and you guys have had tons of opportunities for these young guys to step up. Like, you know, Xavier at the, in the Big East tournament this past year, um, you know, you guys were down so much. It seemed like the young guys really came through, you know, along with CMOS and got you the overtime win. And it's just the things like that, that, um, you know, when you talk about this young core, this is like, you guys are it. And we can tell as a fan, I promise you, we can tell this young, the young group is, is really rolling right now. Appreciate that, man. I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I play, I play with a lot of special guys, man. Like I, it's, it's hard to like put in the words or like what they can do and what, what they believe, how they believe and how we all believe in each other. It's, it's hard to put in the words, how special it is. Like, I just feel like with these group of guys, they just so gifted that they can just accomplish a lot. Well, Miles, before we go, I got one other question for you. And this is not a college question, but we got the conference finals going on in the NBA. We got Golden State and why am I going crazy? I can't remember. Dallas. We have Golden State and Dallas. Yeah, Dallas just put a beating on Phoenix. Golden State and Dallas and then Boston and Miami, which Miami's up 1-0 now. Golden State and Dallas play tonight. Who do you think is going to win out of these four teams? Because I didn't expect – these four teams to be in the finals at the beginning of the year. I would have said they had a shot, but I wouldn't have picked these four in this order. Who do you think is going to win, though, at this point? Well, my favorite team is Miami Heat because I like Jimmy Butler. That's my favorite player right now. And uh, so on the east, I definitely got Miami. But on the west, it's, it's, it's hard to count Steph Curry out. So I got to go to Golden State. Yeah, I mean, not only, I mean, they got Steph and they got – it just seems like they're clicking at this point. Yeah, they just clicking. They so they so solid together, and they just well oiled machine. They've been there. They've done that. 
that's definitely an advantage. But it's definitely so. Heat Nation, though. <laughs> hey, I will say Jimmy Jimmy Butler turns it on in the playoffs. He's already, he's good throughout the year, but in the playoffs, he he turns it on for he sure. Turns it up a notch, yeah. Intensity. Well, we, we don't want to take, take up any more of your time, time Miles. Um, I just want to say it was awesome having you on here. We really do appreciate it. Um, and you know, also, I I think I just want to mention. I I just want to say at least for me. It was awesome to hear like your story coming back from your injury, your mentality, your mindset. You don't hear that a lot of days from players now. It was refreshing to hear that. Um, for what it's worth, I respect I respect it a lot, man. And I'll be I'll be rooting for you for sure. I just, I do just want to you know wish you the best and thank you again very much for being on here. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate all you guys. All right, so now Tower's gone, but I still got Jack here with me, and. We thought this would be a good opportunity to go ahead and go through the 2022 NBA Draft Lottery results, and we're going to preview some of our thoughts on the you know the results, number one, because I just said that, and number two, we're going to go through who we think is going to end up where, and we'll talk about you know who our sleepers are in the draft, who, who we think uh, some guys might be that are a little bit undervalued that we, that we think will be better, and we'll kind of just give our opinion if you guys care. So... Jack, yeah, I mean, if, if you're listening, you care. I would agree. And, and if you don't, and if you're listening, that's okay anyway. Yeah, and look, this is a college basketball podcast. Me and Sal talked about the draft lottery on the All Pacers pod, and um, we looked at it from a Pacers perspective, which the Pacers kind of got screwed a little bit. First single-digit pick since 89, too, and, which is wild. And I just want to add, I don't, I don't mean to cut in. Sorry, no, cut sorry in, about man. cutting It's your you podcast. I just want to add, folks... I don't know if I've said this yet. I'm a Los Angeles Laker fan. A diehard. Matter of fact, I bleed purple and gold. You should get that checked out. <laughs> I just cut my arm the other day and I bled purple and gold. Yeah. That's just what happens. But anyway, I was so thrilled to learn that they had the number eight pick and then remembered that we have to give that pick up to New Orleans. So... I'm not feeling as good about this as I was, you know, at the beginning, but still fun to run through. Without further ado, let's get into it. Number one, the overall winner of this draft lottery for sure is obviously the Orlando Magic. In a lot of ways, the loser, they'll, they'll probably throw this pick away. Probably, you know, go figure for Orlando. But I kind of feel that about a lot of these teams. And I'm, and I'm referencing SI.com to kind of compare what they think. And then me and Jack will compare our our thoughts on that. But they have Jabari Smith Jr. from Auburn going number one. I mean, I could I could see that. I think he's a well. What, what do you like prospects. about Jabari Smith? Because I I mean, well, let me just talk first of all because I've done all my research on this stuff. <laughs> think you know I thought the Pacers were going to have the number one. Sorry about pick. sorry <laughs> about that cough. Okay? The I think the Pacers or I was thinking the Pacers would have the number one overall pick. So I I did like a deep dive onto these like top five guys, including Jaden Ivey, who I don't know if he'll fall to the Indiana Pacers. But Jabari Smith is one of these guys I'm really interested in. You know, he played with two guards in Auburn who didn't like to get him the ball, ball dominant guards. Jabari Smith's clearly the best player on that team and didn't get as many touches as he probably should have. Sal was telling me from all all dot Pacers on Instagram. Um, Sal was saying that some of the uh, NBA comparisons that there have been for Jabari Smith already is like Kevin Garnett. Um, and there was one really bad one. It was like Kevon Looney or something, which is if that's what he could turn into, I'd be really bummed. I know people like Kevon Looney. Anyway, Jabari Smith's a scorer. 
and is going to be a guy who's going to score, um, I don't know, 15,000 plus points in the NBA, right? I mean, that's just what he seems like at this point. So uh, I really like Jabari Smith. Well, I think he has a lot of potential, number one. I, I don't necessarily disagree with this pick, but I disagree with this pick. So he has good size. I think he can shoot it from what I can remember watching him play. Oh, no, yeah, like that's, yeah. I mean, that's his thing is he's shooting 42% from three mm-hmm. his freshman season, and that's like uh, – okay, so the other day I played basketball – and it was at actually your old home court, uh, Rock Creek, where you went to school. Um, and I was playing with people who I didn't know. I didn't want to go in the first place. My buddy convinced me to go. And look, don't get me wrong. I'm a hooper. I have publicly compared myself to like a mix of Dion Waiters and Boris Diaw. I don't know what the percent mix is. But mentality-wise, I shoot if I get the ball. Even if I'm 0 for 9, it doesn't matter. Shoot or shoot. That's kind of my mentality. Hey, I agree. You have to just let that thing go. Yeah, and you got to take it easy on defense so that you can score on offense. <laughs> anyway, what I uh, was going to say about that is any t- so all these guys knew each other. They're not going to necessarily pass to the person they don't know. So literally, anytime I touched the ball, I just chucked it. So it's wait, going wait. up. So what you're saying is, and there's a point. Yeah, what you're saying is you should be the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> Well, okay, I'm... Is my, that where you were going with I'm, that? No, 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 no. I'm in my late 20s at this point. I don't know if... Maybe like a late lottery pick if I really trained. What I'm trying to say is he shot 42% and had to like beg for the basketball. He shot 42% from three. Look, if there are plays that are run through... I'm only basing this off of my mentality. I would assume if he got the ball, sometimes he'd be like, I cannot believe I, I got the ball. I got to shoot it. And... Who knows, man, like shooting 42% in, in that instance, I'm sure he ran the offense enough to not get benched. But NBA, like that three-point percentage, I really feel like it's going to translate in a solid way. Like if he's number one overall, I want to be mad. This NBA comparison on NBADraft.net has Chris Bosh slash Richard Lewis. I like that one a lot better than Kevin Garnett. Yeah, I mean, he does have great size for his position. He's six foot ten. He what's his, He's 220. I mean... The length we see players that are big that can that can shoot the ball that are you know versatile that can move. I don't know. Maybe that'll be him in the future. But um, you know, like I said, I don't disagree with this pick, but I do disagree with this pick. So let me tell you why I disagree. I think the best player in this draft class is none other than Paolo from Duke. I watched him all year. I watched him in the tournament. And this dude has got it going on, let me just tell you. He's also 6'10". He's 250, right? And he is extremely skilled. He is extremely versatile. Jaden Ivey is another player I was going to mention. He might be the most skill-ready in terms of just overall, you know, your skill set for the NBA, in my opinion, in athleticism and stuff. But complete player, the person that you want to build your team around as a young player... I would have to go with Paolo. I think he's got it. Um, I think they got the the sweating under control at Duke. They figured that out. And, I mean, I, I think you can't go wrong with him. I guess you can't go wrong with um, Jabari Smith, but I just feel like going with a guy like Paolo, you have to you have to pick him. You have to. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a different boat than you with this. His shooting wasn't great. Um, and to me, like, his ceiling could be that – 
Demonis Sabonis, Julius Randle type of player, which is a great place to be. Honestly, Julius Randle, all NBA player two seasons ago. I don't know if it was warranted or justified. Yeah, and, and if we're being honest, Julius Randle is a better player than Sabonis. <laughs> all right, man, let's chill out a little bit. <laughs> the Ox is what the Kings are calling him now. It's it's cool. The Fox and the Ox. It's a good set of nicknames. I like that. That um, goes good, actually. Yeah, I'm actually lower on Paolo Bancaro than you, it sounds like. But, I mean, I also get nervous about early uh, high-pick Duke players at times. I know there's a, a probably more hits than not. I'm even thinking like Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram, Kyrie Irving, I guess counts. He only played like 10 games at Duke or what. But, um, obviously, there's a ton of hits. But, I don't know. That's a really loaded team with great players. Or it, there were great players around him, and he played well. But could I see him being a potential bust in the NBA? I I don't want to put that on him, but I think I would rather much rather have Jabari Smith than Paolo Bancaro. I mean, the argument's there. I, I agree, but I just think Paolo has – he's a natural scorer. He's 6'10". He's just – he's so gifted offensively. Not that Jabari Smith is not, but – I don't know. It's just it's just something that when I watched them, that's what I thought, and you know, just kind of seeing his development through the year. That's that's my takeaway. But hey, we can agree to disagree. And he has something that this next guy has potentially too, which he can handle the ball. And Chet Holmgren, who I'm guessing you're going to mention next, correct? Is that next on your list, Chet Holmgren? At number three. At number three, then. Yeah. Here's how my list would go so far: Paolo and then Jabari Smith. Okay. So if I had to go three. You have to kind of take into account who, which team is picking them. So, do you think the Rockets want Chet Holmgren? Holmgren, how you say his last name? Yeah, Chet Holmgren. I, Holmgren. They'll, they'll take him over Jaden Ivey for sure. They yeah. have Jalen Green there. I, I don't know if they, they want to. And Jalen Green looks good. I don't know if they want to obstruct that time. I mean, I would always take the best available if I'm drafting. You see, and I talked about this on all Pacers pot. So sorry if I sound like a broken record, but. Um, you see teams who have multiple ball handlers have success. We're seeing it with the Dallas Mavericks right now where Luka needs the ball in his hands and um, Jalen Brunson, I forgot his name for a second, where Jalen Brunson needs the ball in his hand too, hands too, and it's working. And so, I mean, if you have a chance to draft another point guard and you already have a point guard, I, I wouldn't be deterred by that. I know Jaden Ivey is more of a combo guard, but uh, I, I feel like this, if Chet Holm, if any of these three bigs, which they will be, are at three with Houston. I think they'd take any of those three. Yeah, I mean, I agree, but they do have Christian Wood also. Who, well, and Alperin Sangoon. But, I mean, do you want the potential of Chet Holmgren or Paolo Bancaro there instead? Probably. I mean, Christian Wood's, what, like 29, 30? I don't know if he's that old, he's but he's 30. good, man. He's he's a great he's a great young player, too. I don't, I don't think he's that old. Um, but he, he did a, he, number one, this is off topic, he's a rebounding machine. Christian Wood. And he was probably, outside of Jalen Green, their top scorer last year. And it may have been him some nights if it wasn't Jalen Green. So 17.9 points per game last year, 8.5 rebounds, or sorry, 10.1 rebounds, and he's 26, so I was wrong. But 26. Yeah, I mean. I what? mean, you can't go wrong with it. I don't know. Maybe Paolo would fit better because that's where SI.com has him going, you know, rather than um, Chet because I, I see him playing more. I think he could play forward. I think I think maybe he might pull more some center time more than Paolo is what I'm trying to say. So if you have Paolo and Christian Wood, 
I just think that maybe, maybe that would fit better. So maybe by just by virtue of what the teams would be best to get, I would switch my list around. But I, I still think that Paolo is the top prospect. Let's talk about Chet Holmgren, too. Uh, I, I'm not going to talk too much because I know we got a lot of guys to go through here. But Chet Holmgren, seven-footer from Gonzaga, freshman, um, 20 years old. I love the potential. I'd be nervous to draft him based on how thin he is, potential injuries. If he falls to me, though, and it's the third or beyond pick, I would want to grab him. Um, I mean, I I have... Man, that's hard to say, actually, because I, I love Jaden Ivey. But, yeah, I mean, I just think the potential with Chet Holmgren is, you know, it, you'd be crazy to pass up on it. This NBA Draft.net has him compared to Kristaps Porzingis. And if you remember, I mean, Kristaps Porzingis, when... I guess before, I mean, even at Washington, we saw flashes. In Dallas, we saw flashes too. But, I mean, he was a stellar player in New York. A guy who can protect the paint, shoot threes, handle the ball at times. And I think Chet Holmgren can handle the ball probably significantly better than Kristaps Porzingis. I would say so. To me, I mean, if you can get like that type of unicorn player, which I don't know if he'd be a unicorn because we've seen something similar with Kristaps Porzingis. But if you can get that, then I think it'd be crazy to miss out. Yeah, in a way, I, I hear that. It's almost like it's a gamble because you don't know if physically he will kind of develop as you want him to, but he is extremely talented. You can't take that away from him. He's worked to be the kind of player that he is. He he can shoot the ball. He can handle it. For a seven-footer, he doesn't play like a seven-footer traditionally from what you know people used to play like. So seeing somebody be able to do that and do it at the level that he's doing it is definitely impressive. I think you, I think you could make an argument that he he may even go number one. I don't have him at number one. Like I said, I have Paolo. If I haven't established it already, but I think Chad is also a great prospect. Wherever he goes, I think he'll. You know, I hope I hope that he does well. I never will will wish that somebody doesn't pan out. Obviously, I I hope that he has a great year and proves everybody wrong if they're doubting him. But I don't know. I, my personally, I just don't know. I I think he has potential and. It'll just be a matter of matter of time and kind of seeing how he develops. You have Jaden Ivey next? So I do have Jaden Ivey next, going to the Kings. So at this point, he would be playing with De'Aaron Fox and Davion um, Mitchell per, and Porzingis. Wait, Porzingis, Sabonis. So, Porzingis. Come on, man. Sabonis. Come on, you're talking to me You here. were just talking about Porzingis. Yeah. Sabonis. So, yeah. yeah, so that would be a good, I think, a solid lineup. Now, and I think, Harrison Barnes. And Harrison Barnes. But I think Jaden Ivey, I've been saying it to people all year. I, I was saying this to people back in November. This guy is going to the league, and he's going top five. I was saying it back then. I even thought Purdue's other big man, what, what's his name? Um, Travion. I thought he was going to go. For a minute. That's a trash take. But let me just tell you, Jaden Ivey somebody I knew was going to go top five. He's the most NBA ready in terms of skill, in my opinion, out of the whole draft class. He's going to be great wherever he goes. SI.com has him going five. I have him top five for sure. In my list, I would have him at four over Shaden Sharp from Kentucky which is where SI.com has Shaden Sharp going number four. Jonathan Gavoni, who does all the um, recruiting, or yeah, I think recruiting for ESPN, he has Jaden Ivey at six going to the Pacers. So there well, is potential. The Pacers would be extremely lucky to get him, let me just tell you. Tyrese Halliburton. Ooh. If he falls out of the top five, the Pacers are living right. Yeah. That's all I can say. Halliburton, Jaden Ivey, 
Oh my goodness, that pairing. Chris Duarte too, throw him in there. Was to keep Buddy Heald around. It seems like you kind of dream about this. I've been dreaming about Jaden. I I feel the exact same way you do. When you watch his explosiveness and his shot creation, there's not I honestly don't think there's a better player in college basketball right now than Jaden Ivey at those two things. However, when you watch him, he'll turn the ball over frequently. Um not I shouldn't say frequently. Not every possession or anything, but Sometimes he'll try to do too much, get loose with it, turn the ball over. Um, he had good teammates and tended tended to try to play hero ball a little bit too. But I love this guy as a player. I th- I think the if he can be anything like some of the projections have him being, like an Anthony Edwards, John Morant. I mean, anywhere even close to that. I I guess a younger Russell Westbrook too. I mean, I feel like he's a guy who's not going to miss. Right now, I see him like an Anthony Edwards type player, just based on how he plays and how he moves and how he just kind of plays the game completely. That's 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 a great comparison, I think. But interestingly, talking about the turnovers and this and that, I talked to a few Purdue fans back in the season, and I don't know why, but they were just all extremely disappointed and only had bad things to say about him. I just don't get it because I get he does bad he did he did some bad stuff and had some turnovers you know he would take uncare probably like not the best of shots on certain possessions and kind of forcing hey, it every shot he took was a good shot well let me just tell you the benefits outweigh you know the the bad or the good things outweigh the bad things that he did for sure because I mean that guy I don't know it I'm not a Purdue fan I'm an Indiana fan personally I can't stand Purdue but let me just tell you. Purdue is going to be missing this guy for sure. Jaden Ivey was a once in a, I don't know how many years talent for Purdue. Yeah, when did Robbie Hummel leave? I mean, the fact that we're comparing the two is ludicrous in terms of skill. Robbie Hummel's that guy. Don't get me wrong. He's that guy for Purdue, but, you know, he also chose to go to Purdue. So he has that against him, just think, like Jaden Ivey. I think the people understand we love Jaden Ivey. We love Jaden Ivey. Don't necessarily love his college choice, but we love Jaden Ivey. Who do you have next? I would have to go with Shaden Sharp from Kentucky. I think he's a great prospect. Now, I can't remember his tournament performance. Maybe you can refresh me on that. Did he have a good tournament? Who? Shaden Sharp? He didn't play last year. Who? Am I? Oh, I'm thinking of uh, their other guard, Washington. Yeah, Ty Ty Washington. Shaden Sharp. Did he have a good tournament? They lost to St. Peter's. Is that what you're getting at? No, like a good game. A good conference tournament, a good tournament. Oh, no, I, I couldn't tell you. I was thinking of the wrong player. I'm yeah, sorry. No, Shaden Sharp sat out the whole year. That, to me, I don't love seeing that kind of stuff, but who knows? Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I don't really know a ton about him, obviously. I got him confused with somebody How could else. you know him? So. I'm going to watch him play. Uh, yeah. But, hey, Sal from All Pacers loves him. Shout out, Sal. Uh, if you're right, that's probably a pretty... Huge well, win for you. Well, I don't really feel qualified to talk about him. Obviously, I got him mixed up. So yeah, let's I really not talk don't know, about him, man. I don't know. So what I will actually, I I'll, I'll say something real quick. NBA Draft.net has his player comparison: J.R. Smith and Xavier Henry. Okay. Um, that alone would deter me. I know J.R. Smith when he was young and athletic was an awesome player, but uh, he's a golfer at the moment too, and I th- he could have still had some you know solid NBA years left in him if he really wanted um so let me get your thoughts on this si.com has the number six pick which is the pacers they have keegan murray from iowa what do you think about keegan murray (laughs) 
I am not a fan of Keegan Murray to the Pacers. There's a few reasons. I mean, first of all, if the Pacers want to continue to build um, around Halliburton, that may mean that they're going to keep Miles Turner. I don't know if they're ready to move to Isaiah Jackson. I don't know if Jalen Smith is going to stick around in Indy. There's a whole contract uh, thing that went wrong when he was in Phoenix before we traded Torrey Craig for him. But what I will say about the past three, I guess, seasons of watching the Pacers is they tried really hard to get Miles Turner and Demonis Sabonis to work, and it never worked. It made no sense to have two guys that were basically centers who couldn't guard Andre Drummond. And if they get a Keegan Murray type of player, I mean, maybe he could space the floor some. I know there's a lot of Pacer fans like, hey, Miles Turner, this could be the year that he takes a step. And whenever I hear someone say that, I'm, I look them straight in the eyes and I say, you're an idiot. Because, and no disrespect to Miles Turner because he's a solid NBA player, but if you look at his stats like the past five seasons, every year it's 12-7. and seven. And every year I've heard people say, hey, next year's the year. I've been one of those people too. I've stopped the past couple of seasons because I know it's crazy at this point to continue to say. But my whole point is, why would we want a Keegan Murray type of guy alongside Miles Turner, if we're building around Halliburton, building around maybe Duarte, I don't know what their uh, exact plans are going forward, or even if Duarte is going to take a step, but I don't love Keegan Murray, first of all, as a prospect, and I definitely don't think he makes sense with the Pacers. If we get to this point, and the four that we've already met, or the five that we already mentioned are gone, that's Jabari Smith, Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, Jaden Ivey, and Shaden Sharp. Um, If we get to this point, I would if I'm the Pacers who they're already talking to him, maybe Benedict Matherin, um, AJ Griffin is someone, I mean, I really like the three and D potential type of guys at this point too. They're hard to come by in the NBA. They're hard to come by. And I think if I had to guess Keegan Murray might be gone by this point too. Um, man, I don't know. It's if it's me though, I'm going three and D and I don't love Keegan Murray's athleticism and defensive potential. Sorry, that was a long explanation. I know this is your podcast. (laughs) No, that's okay. But honestly, I don't know. I kind of disagree. I think he... I think he can be somebody that can fit that role of a 3 and D person in the league. Now, that's easy to say based on what we saw in college, but we don't know how it's going to translate into the NBA. So, only time will tell with that. But I think he has potential to do it. I don't know if I would have him as 6 either, but I also don't know a ton about him as a player. Well, I mean, you got to watch him in the Big Ten. He mm-hmm. averaged 23.5 points per game, which is a big deal in the Big Ten, honestly, and he was a sophomore. So, you know, like, I mean. No, I know he's I know he's a good player. I know he was a fantastic player in college. I mean, SI.com is even saying he had a strong argument to be the best player in college basketball last season. Based on stats and, you know, all that, I, I guess I would agree. But I just haven't seen him enough and actually put my own eyes on him to know. I know he's a good player. I know he's solid. Maybe he could be that type of player, that that 3 and D type role, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, it's a good thing you had me on because I've done my Keegan Murray research. It is. It's extremely helpful. (laughs) So let me ask you this. Do you want to keep going through 10 or do you want to tell me your sleeper? Okay, I want to do sleeper because I think we've – well, I just want to mention a few names. I'm not going to say more than a sentence, or you two, if you want to jump in. Johnny Davis, I'm seeing Benedict Math uh, Matherin. I, is it Matherin? I always forget how to pronounce it. Benedict Matherin, Johnny Davis, mm-hmm. A.J. Griffin, Ty Ty Washington, Ochai Agbaji, who was the best player From on that Kansas, Kansas team. Yeah. Yes. Um, Jalen Duran, 
I really like Jalen Duran from Memphis. Uh, I don't know, Tari Eason from LSU, Ma- uh, Malachi Brandon from Ohio State, solid, solid player. Um, yeah, I mean, th- those are some other names who we could see up there towards the top, but I think the top five to six is pretty is pretty set at this point. I don't know how it all shift around, but um, I think the guys that we mentioned in the top six are probably likely to go in the top six. All right. So if I had to say my sleeper, and I, I guess this is kind of a reach, I I just have, have been very impressed with what I saw this season. I, I kind of like Ty Ty Washington from Kentucky. Obviously, I got him confused with Shaden Sharp earlier. So I don't know how he's going to translate. He's He is 6'3", um, but I think he's a pretty good guard. That doesn't count as a sleeper. You should go. You should go deeper. Give me one of your other sleepers, but let me let me read some of mine while you decide because I, I see your, I see your list over there. Go ahead. Um, so I look. I know LSU was kind of a crazy situation throughout the season. Um, Tari Eason there. I already mentioned him. Um, really like his potential translating six foot eight guy, uh, and I love that potential there. Jeremy Sohan from Baylor. He was a freshman last season, six foot ten, um, and man, I love his passion. I think this dude is going to work in the NBA. I don't see a situation where he misses, um, and he's kind of my sleeper. I don't know if he's still kind of rated too high. I actually predict that he's going to move up in the rankings. I think he'll be a sub top ten, or at least a top ten pick. I mean. Um, so we'll see how all of that shakes out. So I, I like him a lot. And then, I mean, there's some other names that I like. Christian Braun from Kansas. I like him that's a lot. That's who I was getting ready to say. Well, let's talk about Christian Braun because I actually I was have him on my say. list. So SI.com has got him going all the way down at 45. He had a fantastic tournament run as a player, and just individually. Obviously, Kansas had a great run. But he played such a big role in that he can shoot the ball. He can actually play defense. And he can get to the rim and score better than people give him credit. I actually saw a pre-draft workout uh, video from him the other day. And I'm going to tell you what, I didn't know that he was as athletic as I saw in the video. He can, he can get up. He has some bounce. I think he has a lot of athleticism that people don't realize and he can shoot the ball. I think just given those things alone, those factors, they can kind of carry you. And, and if you, obviously if you work hard enough and you, approach it as this is my career this is my job with that mentality who knows what can happen in the nba so with that skill set and the mindset combined i think that he could be a great player for wherever he is going to end up but like i said they got him going at 45 to charlotte charlotte's a fun team they have a lot of charisma a lot of swag so maybe maybe he would excel on a team like that i don't know i thought he was great at kansas but he's one that i'll be watching for sure next year anyone else you want to mention I hope Trace Jackson Davis comes back to IU. Let me just say that. Man. If he comes back to IU, it's because he thinks his three-point shot's going to develop or it's already developing. And I'm telling you right now, that's not going to be the case. Well, again, I'm going off SI.com because I'm looking at them just kind of trying to compare. They don't have him going. Look, give him a shot but, doctor in the NBA. He already runs the floor really well. Um, his He has a developed post game. I mean, he's a great player. I think it's going to work. I think he's a great player. I would just like to see him come back to Indiana selfishly. 
Yeah. Um, there's, there's we'll see. That's, we'll see. that's what I was looking for. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, thanks again for listening to this latest episode of Blue Buds Hoops. We do want to take this time and this chance to thank our title sponsor, Jack Brown Videography. If you are in the Louisville, Kentucky, or Southern Indiana area, be sure to hit him up for all of your videography needs. He paid for this whole thing. He, being he funded me. the whole thing. Yep. The whole shebang. Hey, man, podcast, podcasting's not a cheap thing, you know? So, hey, shout out. Go check us out on allindiesports.com as well. You can read some of the articles we've been posting. If you're a Colts fan, it's a great place to go. We, we got uh, Antonio writing so much stuff right now. So go read some Colts stuff. Um, but and, and while we're at it, we have an Instagram. We're trying to get to 100 followers. Blue Buds Hoops. One word, just how it sounds. Type that in to your search bar on Instagram. Hit that follow button. Give us a like. Tell your friends. It's going to be good one day, guys. It's a, Well, it's already good. It's an interactive page. Um, you, it's only, only going to go up from here. Let me just tell you. You, you said the goal is 100,000? Get on the train early. 100,000. Okay. Yeah, 100 is kind of low. Well, 100 by the end of the week. No, we're going 100,000 by the end of the week. We're going 100 million by the end of the week. Got to dream big, people. <laughs> Hit that follow is my point and tell your friends. Shout out to Miles Tate again. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, with that being said, for Jack, I'm Will. See you next time. Two seconds. Riddell all the way outside to Watford. Three on the way.